Michael Rigger of Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. Have you ever thought about this? The best way to kill somebody is with an icicle because the murder weapon would melt. But traditionally, temperatures in Florida are over 70 degrees, so we don't have a whole lot of icicles forming here. Also, remember, no body, no crime. This is a story about a murder where the body was not found until 15 years later. And then the whole case blew wide open. And it was all because of a detective with the Pembroke Pines Police Department. Her name is Donna Velasquez, and she had the wherewithal. They plopped the file on her desk, and her supervisor dared her to solve the case, which at that time was a missing persons case. She had the right instincts because she decided to check out some bones that were found where a Walmart was being built in an area in Miramar, which is near Pembroke Pines. The disappearance of David Jackson from his Broward home on June 25th, 1988, haunted his family, and it also haunted Donna Velasquez. I'm really just working a missing persons case with no body. I don't know that he's not over in some island sipping drinks, but my heart's telling me He's not alive. But without a body. I have nothing. His family knew there was something wrong when the 24-year-old, who's, by the way, really good looking, failed to show up for work and didn't pick up his brother at the airport. Police took on the case, but the investigation grew cold. Now, it heated up again in 2003 when a new detective, Donna Velasquez, was handed the file. And as part of her work, She put a missing persons poster of David Jackson by her desk. And by chance, a guy named John Wolfe saw the poster during a meeting of the Police Explorers Program. It's a group for young people interested in police work. And John Wolfe shocked officers when he told them he knew the man in the poster. He said, that's my dad. I want to tell you a little bit about that missing persons flyer that little Johnny saw. It says, missing, David Churchill Jackson. So his middle name is Churchill. I love that. Foul play suspected. No drugs involved. Last seen June 25th, 1988. He's 6'2", 168 pounds, sandy blonde hair, 27 years old at that time, just totally cute, and last seen wearing a cut-off T-shirt, Bermuda shorts, and sneakers, and he has a great personality. He has a tattoo of a palm tree on the beach on his upper right arm. He worked and purchased new furniture on the day of his disappearance, and there was nothing missing. Money, clothes, credit cards were all left in his apartment. After 15 long years, this missing persons case was finally reopened, and Barbara Britton was delighted that police were intent on finding out what happened to her ex-husband, David. She was also happy that her son, John, John Wolfe, the kid that identified the poster, would finally find out what happened to his father. But that's not how Detective Donna Velasquez remembers it. She says when John goes and tells his mom they've reopened the case, Barbara says to her own son, I thought it was closed a long time ago. They need to leave it alone, she explained. Well, hmm, hmm, hmm. The detective recorded John talking about his mother's reaction, and he said she got very defensive and, um, very touchy. He said, I believe personally that she's holding back information. Well, that sent up a red flag. 
And maybe Detective Velasquez was going to have to fish in that pond and see exactly what she might catch. The detective began digging through the cold case file, and a story began to emerge about a teenage romance involving David Jackson, who was a hunk at the time, and Barbara Britton. He was 19 at the time, and he was managing a local Burger King, and he fell in love with his employee. She was a high school senior, Barbara Britton. Well... Apparently, Barbara got pregnant, and her dad wasn't too happy that it was by David Jackson. She said, my dad, you know, had to sign the paper for me to get married because she was still in high school, and she was so young. In fact, the happy couple got married while she was on spring break, and she remembers that her father, Harry, wasn't thrilled about the union and that David knew it. The pressure of being teenage parents was extremely stressful, as you might expect, and Britton says David was immature and wanted to be with his friends, and he left her to care for the newborn all alone. Only Mark Jackson, David's brother, remembers the whole thing. He says Barbara Britton never really gave David a chance. I mean, David had bought a house, and she refused to move into it, so things started to go south immediately after the marriage, and Barbara had chosen to live with her parents. Her father, by the way, hated him. Apparently, Barbara initiated the divorce proceedings, and David said he was going to make sure that he got visitation with his child. So for two years, David and Barbara shared custody of John. He paid his child support. He spent time with Johnny. He loved spending time with his kid. In fact, before his disappearance, he had taken time off, a whole month off, to spend time with his son. It would have been in the month of June, 1988, and just days before Barbara was supposed to bring John to visit his father, David received a phone call. His roommate said that he believed it was Barbara, but he never knew who it was. And David spoke for a little bit, then he left to buy beer and cigarettes. He had gotten dressed up and put on some cologne, but he never returned. And his vehicle was found parked in a long-term parking lot at the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. And so... The car being found at the airport suggested that 24-year-old David had just left town, but Detective Velasquez wasn't so sure. And a closer look told a different story, perhaps that it was a murder, and that's what she believed, that she was working a homicide. The entire vehicle had been wiped down. It was clean. Not even David's fingerprints were inside the car or on the outside of the vehicle. That is very, very odd. And then Donna discovered another head-scratching nugget in the case. David's son, John, the police explorer, did not share his father's last name. And Velasquez said, she said to him, how did you get the name John Wolf?" And he said, well, Michael Wolf was my stepfather and he adopted me. When did that happen? He says, well, I was about four and a half going on five. And the detective said that was only months after David went missing. Michael Wolf contacted a lawyer about adopting Barbara's son. Hmm. Why would any person want their son adopted by a stepfather so quickly after the biological father went missing? So another red flag went up for Detective Velasquez. In 2003, it was just months into her cold case investigation. Detective Velasquez was certain David Jackson was murdered and that his ex-wife had something to do with it. Only... She didn't have a body, and she couldn't prove anything without the body. That's when she turned to the search engine Google. But remember, it was 2003, and not a lot of Googling was going on at that time. So her partner taught her how to do a Google search, and she searched unidentified remains, unsolved homicides in Florida. And it allowed her to fill in the criteria for her missing person. It prompts me, uh, male or female, height, weight, last known to have been seen. Okay, I could do this. 
it popped out a significant amount. Ooh, I mean, it, and it took me a while to manually, physically go through every one. Yeah, I finally narrowed it down to three. Three really good, strong possibilities. So she entered David's age, height, weight, date of disappearance, and there were about 50 matches. Lots of missing John Doe's in Florida, but three of them were very promising. One of them was for a white male over six feet tall, which David was, and he was found in the city of Miramar, which is one city south of Pembroke Pines, where David lived. And the construction workers there found the bones in what was an empty lot where they were building a Walmart shopping center. Apparently, a worker was digging around and he found a human hand. (laughs) Why, thank you, thing. Adam's family reference. Donna thinks she's found David Jackson, well, at least a part of him. So she goes down to the medical examiner's office and met with a forensic anthropologist and she wheels out the remains. Can you imagine? Goosebumps. There was no skull, but the bones had been sitting in the medical examiner's office for almost 15 years. God bless him. And she said, is there any way that you can tell me that this is not David? And the only way they were going to be able to do that was through DNA, which they got a 100% match when they compared the DNA of the bones to David's mom. David and I had a rare gene. Only 29% of the people in the world have. And it made it 100% match. And my, and my baby back. It destroyed her. That's when she had to face it. As long as there's no body, you got hope. And it's all gone instantly. She just cried. That's David's mom, Judy Carlson, and his brother, Mark Jackson, speaking with Aphrodite Jones. So now this case, this cold case, moves from a missing persons case to a homicide case, which devastates David's mom. She said, I wanted you to come in because I got the DNA back. Judy, I said, David's coming home. She said, what do you mean? She said, you found David. I said, I did. But she also needed some answers. So Detective Velasquez went to see David's ex, Barbara Britton. And what was Barbara's reaction when she was told the bones were identified as her ex-husband's remains? Well, according to Detective Velasquez, she asked her, where did you find them? How many bones do you have? It was very odd, very strange. I mean, why would you ask how many bones did they find? Apparently... The bones were buried in one place and then moved to another place and they didn't get all the bones. So Detective Velasquez's feeling was that Barbara was involved, that she knew exactly what happened. But Barbara Britton insisted that she wasn't even in Florida when David went missing. She was in Arizona living with her then husband, Michael Wolf. And then the detective thought, well, if Britton was involved, then her husband, Michael Wolf, must have been involved too. And she started tracking him to Kettering, Ohio, and had him brought to the local precinct. They wasted no time getting straight to the point. Said, let me ask you something real quick. Did you kill David Jackson? And Michael Wolf said, uh, no. But after hours of interrogation, Wolf made a bizarre statement. He told investigators that Harry, Barbara Britton's dad, hated David and wanted him dead. And had turned to him, a former military police officer, for advice. Michael Wolf said that Harry and I discussed David's demise, and I told him what type of weapon to use. What type of weapon was it? A 22 caliber handgun. And then he told Harry it had to be a headshot. And the detective then asked, when did you have this discussion? And he said, well, it was probably three or four months before the disappearance of David Jackson. 
Wolf continued to deny any further involvement, but Detective Velasquez wasn't done digging. She learned that Wolf had sold a gun to one of his ex-wives, Nancy Graham. She called her up and explained she was a detective with the Pembroke Pines Police Department working a homicide investigation into the death of David Jackson. And she asked if she knew David Jackson. And Nancy Graham said yes, and she knew immediately her ex-husband, Michael Wolf was in trouble. She said, how much evidence do you have against him? And the detective bluffed her and said, I have enough evidence to put him away. So she goes, I need to call you back. Apparently, Nancy Graham had a secret. It's so funny because we had a mayor here in West Palm Beach years ago named Nancy Graham. It was back in the 90s, but no relation. But this Nancy Graham said that she knew all about the murder. She knew how it went down and what they did with the body. And the fact that Michael Wolf had sold the gun to her was another revelation. Apparently, Michael Wolf married Nancy Graham one year after divorcing Barbara Britton. And one night, he was drinking very heavily. It was scotch, which is a truth serum. Apparently, his conscience was killing him. It was bothering so much that he told Nancy that when he was married to Britton, she and her father, Harry, had come to him. And lo and behold, they asked about getting rid of David. Graham said that Michael Wolf at the time believed that if he didn't agree to kill David Jackson, that Britain would leave him. So they hatched a plan first that Barbara Britton would pretend that she wanted to rekindle their relationship with David. And even his mom, Judy, remembers that shortly before his disappearance, her son was excited about the idea. And he said, guess what? Barbara said she loves me and she wants to get back together. So apparently the plan was using fake IDs, Barbara Britton and Michael Wolf would fly to Florida from Arizona. Britton would call David to lure him to the location where he would be killed. They selected a Motel 6. This was the place to lure David. This was the plan. It was a master plan for them to come here and rent the hotel room so that David, in fact, would come here to meet her because he did still have feelings for her and and she led him to believe that that they were going to get back together and be a family and raise their son. Here's Detective Donna Velasquez explaining to 48 Hours how the murder went down. So according to Michael Wolf, David knocks at the door. Barbara escorts him in. She sits down on the bed. David sits directly beside her. Michael is in the bathroom, and he hears Barbara deploy the stun gun, but it's not going off properly. He says he knew something was wrong. It sounded like it was misfiring. So David is saying, what's going on? What's going on? Michael walks from around the corner out of the bathroom with the gun wrapped in a towel. David stands up and says, what's going on? So Michael fired the first shot, which hit him above the left ear, not killing him, just making him incapacitated. And Barbara grabs him by the arm, escorts him over to the chair where he sits in the chair. And then at that time, Harry Britton comes through the door and says, he's not dead yet. Shoot him again. Michael Wolf shoots him for the second time. And that was the shot that ultimately killed him. And when he stopped breathing and knew he was dead. Michael Wolf said in his confession that he was the trigger man with Harry's help. But Barbara was the bait. And Michael Wolf confessed that he shot David Jackson first in the side of the head, right above the ear. And he recounts that David started a fall and he was going down slowly. His head was leaning back. There was fluid running from the wound. And Harry comes around the corner and says, he's not dead. You have to shoot him in the heart. 
Michael Wolf says, I'm not shooting him in the heart. I just picked up the gun and shot him again in the head. And then he checked David again and he was gone. He was not breathing. There was no pulse. His eyes were fixed. Then they rolled him up in blankets and put him in the back of Harry's car. Harry had backed up to the door, apparently, at the Motel 6. That's not a indication of any kind of uh, nefarious activity going on. Michael Wolf says that he and Harry and Barbara then drove to the grave site. He said David's head had rolled around and hit something in the back of the car. And that Barbara said, this is so sick. And Harry goes, it's what you wanted. Then all three of them buried David Jackson. They went back to the room, cleaned it up. And then about a year later, Harry called and said to Michael Wolf, there's a Walmart going to be built in the site where we secretly buried David. In fact, Michael Wolf said, we pre-dug the grave. So they chose the city of Miramar because Harry Britton worked for the city of Miramar in the wastewater management plant. So I think it would give them a heads up if there was going to be anything built there. So it was more of a convenience so that they could still, even after David's death, maintain control. So Michael Wolf needed to move David's remains and he flew back to Florida, rode over to where the construction site was. He saw three white things sticking out of the ground. He said they looked like rib bones and still gives him chills. And that night, Michael Wolf didn't find all the bones. And the ones he left were tracked down at the morgue by Detective Donna Velasquez 15 years later, which later led to the identification of David Jackson. So Michael Wolf pulled up the ribs, which were attached to a spinal column, which was attached to the pelvic bone. He then put the bony torso in a garbage bag, but he did not find David's skull. His head was missing. So then he put him in the back of Harry's car, drove back to the house, and then Harry took the bag and set it out with the garbage, which would be picked up the following day. It's pretty macabre. Now, after all that, a few months later, Michael Wolf's adoption of Johnny... Little Johnny Jackson was final. And then Barbara Britton, after all that went down, after everything that Michael Wolf had done for her, made a decision. She dumped him. She left him. And then she asked for child support. So get, let me get this straight. So you get this man in your life after you've divorced David Jackson and you get him to kill your ex-husband. You get him to adopt your child And after he does all that, you dump him and you want him to pay child support for the son of the man you had him kill. Wow. In fact, Michael Wolf felt that Harry Britton and his daughter Barbara set the whole thing up for him to take the fall for the murder of David Jackson. So Barbara, when confronted with this, was in tears. She was telling police, no, I didn't kill David. I had nothing to do with it. She alleged that she didn't even have knowledge of the murder. And then, with tears streaming down her face, she professed her love for David, even to this day. We just had this special love. So basically, she was calling Michael Wolf a liar. And police didn't believe her. One month after Michael Wolf's confession, Barbara Britton was arrested and charged with the murder of David Jackson. She was unable to make bail, so she would spend the next three years in jail awaiting trial. And while that was happening, Barbara's son, John, who had told police he suspected his mother was hiding information about his dad's death, now says he never thought his mom was guilty of anything. He said, quote, I didn't believe at any point at any time that she was capable or even would have or could have 
helped with the murder. Barbara Britton admits her relationship with David was at times strained, and she adamantly denies that she was the source of stories that alleged that David abused his own son, Johnny, by putting cigarettes out on his skin. She says that came from her father, Harry, who believed David was hurting little Johnny. But she could never have imagined that her father would kill her ex-husband. And she says of her father, I'll never know if he did it. He took it to the grave with him when he passed away. So Detective Lasquez was not buying anything Barbara was saying, even the tears, she thought that Barbara Britton was a cold-blooded killer. And she really wanted to know why David Jackson was killed. Detective Lasquez speculates that Barbara never wanted to share child custody with him. She wanted to have little Johnny all to herself. And she said she's a firm believer that she groomed Michael Wolfe to be a part of the whole thing and then dump him. And according to Detective Lasquez, the case against Barbara was rock solid. That is until Barbara's attorney, Keith Seltzer, dropped a bombshell at a bond hearing. Mr. Seltzer came into the courtroom, and he was holding a piece of paper, and he presented it to the judge. And he said, Judge, I can show you my client was in Arizona at the time of this homicide. She wasn't in Fort Lauderdale. Seltzer says phone records showed someone had called Britain's apartment in Tucson on the night David disappeared in Florida, and the call lasted for four minutes. So the question became, who answered the phone? And her attorney said somebody had to be in Arizona to answer that phone, and we believe it was Barbara. Michael Wolf calls it nonsense. He says that the phone call was planned to help establish an alibi, which makes sense. In fact, Harry said it would be a good idea to call out there, let the answering machine pick it up, because that way it would look like somebody was out in Arizona and wasn't here in Florida. But apparently, Barbara didn't own an answering machine, and he didn't believe a single word that Michael Wolf was saying. So, because Michael Wolf was looking for a deal, Wolf's credibility would take a huge hit when a former cellmate came forward saying that Michael Wolf told him that he was trying to frame Barbara for the murder of David Jackson. And Barbara didn't have any idea that he was going to shoot him. That's when prosecutors made a stunning decision. They offered Barbara Britton a plea bargain to a reduced charge because the state attorney's office recognized that there was a very low likelihood of them obtaining a conviction for first-degree murder. And Seltzer explained that in order to avoid prison, the deal called for Barbara Britton to plead guilty to being an accessory after the fact to first-degree murder. Remember, she also already served three years waiting for trial. She admitted to making a call to David and setting up a meeting with her father, but she said it was not on the day of the murder. So in her allocution, Barbara Britton said in the latter part of June 1988, I told David that my father wanted to meet with him, but I did not make the phone call that day. She was asked, how did they manage to get David to come to the hotel without your help? And she said, I don't know. I really don't. I wish I could help you. It really boggles the mind that her father and Michael Wolf would kill the father of her son, and she didn't know about it. And then the judge asked Barbara, how do you plead? And she said, guilty. <laughs> Upon the guilty plea, David's mom looked up and said, God, David, we got justice. And for David's brother, Mark, seeing Britain avoid prison was heartbreaking. Barbara Britton to this day insists that she did not help in the murder of David Jackson and that she's been living in her own hell for some time. And almost for two and a half years, she was forced to wear a court-ordered ankle bracelet that tracked her every move and reminded her daily of David's death. But David's mom, Judy, wears a bracelet of her own every day. She never takes it off. 
It contains David's ashes. So despite the plea deal, little Johnny, Johnny Wolf, David's son, continues to support his mother, Barbara, and he's estranged from his grandmother, David's mom, Judy. John currently works as a security guard at a Florida shopping mall, and Michael Wolf, who offered to testify about Barbara's involvement in David Jackson's murder, never got the reduced sentence he was hoping for. So I want to finish up with another story that happened this week in the same location as the murder of David Jackson in Pembroke Pines. And it reminds us, hey, you never know when it's going to be your time. Three people are dead, including a young boy, after a plane crashed into a moving SUV in Broward County. A security camera across the street captured the whole thing. Here's some of the witnesses. We heard a big, like, explosion. The plane was very close to the, um, to the ground, and I was thinking, why is so close to the ground? And we immediately came outside and we saw the fire. So apparently... An engine problem appears to have been the cause of the deadly plane crash. The pilot had just taken off from North Perry Airport. It's a little airport within Broward County. The main airport in Broward County is Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. This is a little training airport. Lots of flight training goes on there. And he was trying to return to the airport when his engine started to sputter. So as he was making the turn around, the plane crashed into the SUV that was traveling down the road. And four-year-old Taylor Bishop was sitting in the back seat. He was still alive when paramedics removed him from the wreckage, but he died later at the hospital. And his mom, who's a special needs teacher, is still alive but in serious condition. But this airport has been known to have problems. Five small planes have crashed at North Perry Airport in the last year, and at least two of the accidents were fatal. The NTSB is investigating them all, including this most recent one. I remember one instance in the early 2000s. Remember when I was a traffic reporter and I flew every day in the Metro helicopter? Well, we had taken off from North Perry Airport. We just refueled. And as I said, there were a lot of student pilots who trained there. My pilot noticed some smoke billowing from the roof of a house. Now, there were subdivisions all around the airport. The airport's small. Like I said, it really doesn't even have a tower. And my pilot, Steve, said, hey, that's smoke. Wasn't there a moment ago? I think a plane just crashed into that house. And sure enough, he spoke to air traffic control and they said, yep, a plane just went down. And the pilot had reportedly fallen out of the cockpit. The plane went into the roof. The pilot fell out of the cockpit and landed on the bed inside the bedroom. Fortunately, no one on the ground was hurt. So like I said, you never know when your time is up. So live in the moment. Enjoy today. Because tomorrow is a gift. Well, that wraps up Full Rigor. Like, subscribe, and download. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, God willing. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, My Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.